Waiving copays and deductibles are not per se illegal, but they have to be performed in a strict manner that recognizes financial need. Captain Integrity Production and the law firm of Nelson Mullins presents Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. Stark Integrity explores the world of the Stark Law and healthcare compliance with our nationally recognized Stark Law, Fraud, and Compliance Attorney, Bob Wade. Bob has a national healthcare legal and compliance practice that focuses on the minions of the Anti-Kickback Statute, False Claims Act, and the Stark Law, including fair market value and commercial reasonableness. Although Bob is a law partner in the national law firm of Nelson Mullins, the views expressed in Stark Integrity are Bob's personal views and not the views of the firm, and they are not intended to be legal advice. Now, without further ado, I give you Captain Integrity, Bob Wade. Welcome to Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. My name is Bob Wade, and I am your host. Today, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the waiver of copays and deductibles. And let me just hit this out of the ballpark right at the beginning, that there are three laws that are basically implicated with respect to the waiver of copays and deductibles. The big one is the anti-kickback statute. And so if if a waiver of a copay or deductible is intended to induce the beneficiary to use the entity's services, then that could be an anti-kickback statute violation. Also, a false claims act. Uh, if it's misrepresented on the claim, the amount of the service or the value of the service provided. And lastly, if the waiver of copay or deductible involves a physician or an immediate family member of a physician, then that could violate the Stark Law. There's also a contractual issue that if you have a third-party payer that's non-government, then it is a precondition for the insurance company to pay that the beneficiary pay the copay or deductible. And it's a way for the patient to take some control over their health care. And the, the copay or deductible is intended to be an obligation of the patient. And sort of the patient has to think through whether or not they actually need the service. But it is a precondition usually by the insurance contract for the insurer to pay. And just by a way of example, for Medicare Part B, the patient obligation is usually 20% of the approved charge. And so that is a precondition for Medicare to make that payment under Part B. And then if you have a third-party insurer, then the amount of the copay or deductible will be determined based upon the contractual insurance policy. So let me start by giving some examples of what is a copay waiver. Well, first off is billing for the copayment, but not collecting. So you just go through the act of billing, but there's no intention to actually collect the copay or deductible. Next is writing off the copay or deductible amounts. Also, discounting a product 
or service by applying the discount only to the copay amount. So if you're going to provide a discount to a patient, then the discount would apply only to the copay, but not for the entire value of the service. Or lastly, and I'll talk a little bit more about this, is uh, charities or foundations that are set up to pay patients copay amounts. So those are just examples of when a copay waiver does occur. And I'll drill down a little bit more in this episode, but there are two areas where a copay could be waived or forgiven. One is for financial need. And secondly, if the provider of the service performs a good faith attempt to collect, but then they evaluate that the cost of collection of that copay or deductible exceeds the amount of the copay or deductible, then it is rational and also I would say commercially reasonable in order to waive that copay or deductible just because of the alternative costs involved with respect to collections. And this happened to me many years ago. I saw an orthopedic surgeon and when I was going up to the uh, the checkout desk to pay, I noticed on the invoice the uh, surgeon wrote insurance only. And so I looked at the, the clerk who was checking me out and I said, you know, what does that mean? And she told me that it meant that the physician did not want me to have to pay the copay or deductible, that they were just going to bill the insurance company and then whatever they received from the insurance company would be payment in full. And I had to describe or explain to them that I had to pay that copay or deductible because that was a precondition for my insurance company to pay. I mean, obviously, the orthopedic surgeon was trying to do me a favor, but those favors can somehow land a physician in trouble uh, if there is a routine waiver of copays or deductibles. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about professional courtesy as it relates to copays and deductibles. And the, there's a professional courtesy exception under the Stark Law. And at the end of this episode, I'll talk a little bit about that. So what type of waivers violate the law? Well, first off, if there's an advertisement that a provider is promoting that says that uh, for Medicare beneficiaries that they will accept Medicare payment in full, meaning that they're going to write off their copay or deductible. That would be an inappropriate inducement because they're going out to the public saying, you get your services from me or you buy our drugs and you will not have to pay a copay or deductible. So that's an inducement or an incentive for that beneficiary to receive the service from that provider. Next, that there's advertisements that promise discounts to Medicare beneficiaries, and that discount would apply to the copay or deductible. Next, and then this one's a, a large one. I, I said that you could write off a copay or deductible for financial hardship. So a lot of providers have a financial hardship forms. And if a provider routinely uses a financial hardship form, but they do not attempt to determine the patient's financial situation, so they said, you know, just fill out this form. If you fill out this form, then we will write off the copay or deductible. Uh, there has to be some good faith analysis of that patient's financial condition or situation in order to determine whether or not a financial need exists in order to write off the copay or deductible. I mean, you could have a millionaire sitting there filling out the form and turning the form back in, and if it's just merely the process of filling out the form without an evaluation of the patient's financial condition, that would be a routine waiver of a copay or deductible, which would be inappropriate. 
Next is only collecting a copay only when a patient has supplemental insurance that pays for the copay. So you're writing off the primary copay or deductible, but you're, you're collecting only if the patient has secondary insurance. That would be a routine waiver that would violate the, the law. And then lastly, charging more to a Medicare beneficiary to offset the waiver of the coinsurance. So those are examples of where the waiver of a copay or deductible could be a violation of the law or a violation of the patient's contractual obligation with the insurer. So focusing on Medicare beneficiaries, why does a waiver of a copay or deductible to a beneficiary violate the anti-kickback statute? Well, as listeners to Stark Integrity know, that if you provide any benefit to induce a Medicare beneficiary to use your services, and that benefit has a financial benefit to the beneficiary, then that would be a kickback to that beneficiary. So if a practice has a, a routine practice of waiving copays or deductibles or advertises that they waive copays or deductibles, then you are inducing with the intent to induce those beneficiaries to use your service, which again would be a violation of the anti-kickback statute. Another way this could be implicated is, let's say you have a drug manufacturer, and they notify ordering physicians that if the ordering physician orders their drugs, they would waive the copay or deductible for that patient. So that could be an inducement to the physician, encouragement to the physician, to order that drug versus maybe a cheaper generic drug in order to benefit their patients because they know their patients would not be charged the copay or deductible uh, by the manufacturer. So that, those are ways that the anti-kickback statute could be implicated. But again, if there is a process for the organization to evaluate the financial need and they believe that the patient meets the financial need thresholds, then it's perfectly acceptable for the provider to waive the copay or deductible. Uh, but you do have to notify the payers that the waiver is occurring. So that way the, the, the payers know that the patient or beneficiary did not pay the copay or deductible. Uh, and then secondarily, as I emphasized earlier in this episode, that if the cost of the attempted to collect, with the assumption there's a good faith effort, you, you actually bill the patient, there's an expectation that the patient would pay the copay or deductible. And let's say that you're now six months out and you may have to send this patient to a collection agency. And the cost of that collection agency would exceed the value of the copayer deductible, assuming the beneficiary ultimately pays the copayer deductible, then it would make business sense, and it's not an inducement to the beneficiary, to go ahead and waive that copayer right off. It's really not waiving. It's writing off the copay or deductible. So how does the violation of the anti-kickback statute become a false claim? Well, first off, any claim that is submitted to the government that violates the anti-kickback statute implicates the False Claims Act because the provider is operating with actual knowledge, reckless disregard, or an intentional in intent to defraud the government through the False Claims Act. And also, 
the submission of the claim when the copayer deductible was not paid could also implicate the False Claims Act. So let, let's take an example. Let's say that a service, normally the normal charge is $100, and the patient is supposed to pay 20%. So if the patient pays $20, then the charge going into the payer, like Medicare, would be $80. Now, if the copayer deductible was not charged to the patient, then if in the claim to Medicare was that the value of the service was $100, that would be a false claim because the copayer deductible was written off. So really, the value of the claim is only $80 because the copayer deductible was not collected. So if Medicare is only supposed to pay 80%, then if they wrote off the $20, then the value of the service instead of $100 is $80, and 80% of $80 is $64 is what Medicare would have paid. So if you submit the claim and you intentionally write off the copay or deductible and do not represent to the payer that the copay or deductible was written off, then the value of the service could be overstated, which is a classic case of a false claim. And as listeners of Stark Integrity know that uh, if there's a violation of the false claim, that's trouble damages, plus more than $23,000 per claim submitted, which would be the penalty. And there's an episode or a couple of episodes that actually walk through the False Claims Act. And another thing that occurs with respect to copays or deductibles, and this is really more in the pharmaceutical or device manufacturers, that some in, in the past, and maybe it's also presently occurring, that these manufacturers or companies, they set up these foundations. And the foundations are intended to provide financial assistance or support for patients to pay the copay or deductible. Now, if there's financial need and then the foundation pays based upon that financial need, then perfectly fine. But if the foundation is set up in order to provide financial support for all co-pays and deductibles, even for patients who have the ability to pay, then that could be inappropriate. So the foundation would be set up in order to support the pharmaceutical company or the device manufacturer specifically targeted to those companies' products and services. So if, if that is what the intention of the foundation is, and it's intended to apply to all patients and not just patients with financial need, then the operation of that foundation, and usually the foundation is receiving money from the company, then the operation of the foundation could violate the anti-kickback statute or civil monetary penalties. And there's been some examples, uh, like in 2019, U.S. World Meds, uh, they set up a patient assistance fund, and they thought it was inappropriate. And so they paid back $17.5 million and had a five-year corporate integrity agreement. Likewise, Pfizer in 2018 paid $24 million and entered into a five-year corporate integrity agreement. And they used a foundation as a conduit to pay the co-pays of Medicare patients taking three of the Pfizer drugs. And on, you know, Pfizer made their, now put this in air quotes, made the donations to their foundation in order to support the payment of those copays for those Medicare beneficiaries. Likewise, United Therapeutics paid $210 million in 2017 by alleging that they were using an independent charitable foundation in order to pay the copays or deductibles for Medicare beneficiaries. 
And more recently, in 2019, Diabetic Care Rx LLC paid $21 million to settle a false claim suit because they were waiving copays uh, and deductibles. And then in 2020, SPR Specialty Pharmacy, they paid $500,000 for the waiving of required copayments. So there's active issues that exist with respect to the waiver of copays and deductibles. Some of these are brought on by QUITAM relators, and some of them are self-reports. So you have to be very cautious in how you waive copays or deductibles, and remember those two categories. Now, I want to turn to professional courtesy because this is the implication of the Stark Law with respect to the waiver of copays and deductibles. And for all practical purposes, professional courtesy is dead. But under the Stark Law, because the waiver of any type of uh, payment for services or even a copay or deductible, like for a hospital, waiving a copay or deductible, or even providing free services to a physician or immediate family member, that creates a benefit to that physician, thereby implicating the Stark Law. But the Stark Law does have a professional courtesy exception, and it's very limited. So if you want to provide professional courtesy, then the entity that is actually waiving the cost or the copay or deductible, they have to have a formal medical staff. And then there are four requirements. Number one, it has to be offered to all physicians that are members of the medical staff. Uh, and are providing services in the local community. So once you do it, then you can't just do it selectively. You have to do it for all physicians on your medical staff. Next is the type of services that you're providing free of charge. They have to be type that is routinely provided by the entity. Next, you have to have a formal professional courtesy policy that is actually approved by the governing body, the board of directors or board of trustees. And lastly, if the physician or immediate family member is a Medicare beneficiary or is a beneficiary of a federal health care program, then the professional courtesy cannot be offered to the physician or the immediate family member unless there has been a good faith showing of financial need. So we go back to this financial need issue. So even under the professional courtesy exception under the Stark Law, there's a financial need qualifier with respect to Medicare beneficiaries. Um, So anytime you're going to think about waiving co-pays or deductibles, you need to be thinking about financial need. It can't be routine, and you have to really do a good faith assessment as to whether or not that patient meets the financial need criteria. So this brings me to the three Captain Integrity Punch Points for this episode. Captain Integrity Punch Point number one, routine waivers of copays and deductibles can be illegal under the anti-kickback statute, the False Claims Act, or the insurance policy between the beneficiary and the third-party payer. Captain Integrity Punch Point number two, you can waive copays and deductibles in the event of documented financial need, not a routine financial need form being filled out, but documented financial need for that patient, or if the cost of collecting that copay or deductible exceeds the value of the copay or deductible. In Captain Integrity Punch Point number three, the waiver of a copay or deductible, if that is not communicated to the payer, 
will cause the claim to be overstated. This goes back to that $100 issue. The, then the claim being submitted cannot be $100 if you waived the $20 co-payer deductible. The claim becomes $80. And then the payer, if there's a 20% payment uh, that's required by the patient, then the claim is has to be reduced uh, by 20% after you subtract out the co-payer deductible that was waived. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance podcast. If you have any questions regarding this episode, the Stark Law, or healthcare compliance, you can contact me at bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com or my law firm email address at bob.wade at nelsonmullins.com. You can review this and any other episode of Stark Integrity at the Captain Integrity website at captainintegrity.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn under Bob Wade. I hope the three Captain Integrity punch points will help you with the Stark Law and compliance. In closing, remember that integrity depends on you and me.